Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio. You're on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining me today. If you are catching the show live or you are uh, listening in archive in either case, again, welcome to my show. Uh, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. Uh, my expertise is in a number of different areas, uh, numerology, astrology, tarot, runestones, animal totems. I work with all kinds of different oracles and have studied quite a ton of metaphysical subjects in my uh, probably uh, almost 30 years of study. So I've uh, got a quite a bit of information. Um, I do personal consultations in my home office here in Phoenix, uh, as well as by phone. Uh, any of that information about uh, personal uh, one-on-one uh, session consultations and classes you can find on my website at jimventura.com. I'm also a writer. I've published a couple of different books and uh, do a monthly column called Snake Oil. Uh, that is a free uh, column. Uh, I've got about uh, maybe 16, 1,700 subscribers now. Uh, if you're interested in getting on my newsletter mailing list, uh, there's no cost to do that. Uh, just email me at VenturaSagiYahoo.com. I'll add you to the mailing list. Uh, it is a once-a-month column, and it is blind copied. So, uh there's no uh, email promotions that you will get from me, and no one will get your email address. Uh, anyway, okay, so that said, uh, I do a monthly column, and uh, this column is actually a repeat column from about five years ago. Uh, at this point, I've got probably about 112, 115 columns from having done this since back in 2003. So uh, most of my repeats are often things that no one has actually already read. So uh, uh, I usually do about six or seven new columns each year, and then generally four or five uh, repeat columns uh, 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 by once a year as well. So uh, I'm going to read the, the column uh, so everyone knows what we're talking about today. Uh, then I'm gonna, we're going to go into a little bit more discussion about this and give you guys some techniques and some ideas connected with this that will be of help to you. Uh, typically, I, I kind of stopped taking live calls about a year ago, uh, only because people generally were looking for mini readings, and I do like to stay away from that uh, on the column shows because uh, as fun as it is, I actually do enjoy doing it, but um, it's not really that interesting for the listeners who are catching it live or necessary to archive. Uh, we only do uh, generally about a 45-minute show, so kind of want to stay on subject. Uh, although, you know, again, I may change formats at a different point in the future, but right now we're going to kind of skip the live calls uh, for that particular purpose. Okay, this month's column, May's 2018 Snake Oil, is called What Me Worry. And uh, anyone who's old enough knows that that is a, a reference to Mad Magazine, interestingly enough, with Alfred E. Newman. But uh, that, that's why if you, you catch the column uh, clip, there is a picture of that as well in it. Uh, uh, my, my columns are available on, on uh, a blog post, which is uh, playing with Uranus at, uh, at the you know, at blog.com, so at gmail.com. Uh, anyway, okay, so that's it. This column is called What Me Worry. It's probably no surprise to anyone who is, is a Virgo, uh, either with their sun sign, ascendant, or moon sign, or has a few planets in Virgo in their natal chart that they are often caught in the worry trap. 
I recently found out that left-handed people are prone toward post-traumatic stress disorder and worry. I'm a lefty, and I have three planets in a Virgo conjunction in my natal chart. Uh, the information was actually a relief because it confirmed that I was normal. Uh, so far, for most of my lifetime, when I experienced any type of stressful or traumatic event, I had a tough time being fearful that something similar might ever happen again. The positive side of this obstacle is I have a sharp mind and an often 12 steps ahead when it comes to taking care of the details of life as if I'm playing the game of chess. This strategy and approach has often been beneficial in avoiding potential problems. But the negative side of this attribute is definitely problematic because it can make me more prone to worrying about difficult possibilities that could come my way. I get caught up in trying to resolve these things before they actually become an issue. Whether you're a lefty, Virgo, or for any other possible reason, we all get caught up in the worry trap from time to time. It is uncomfortable, lousy, and a place to be. Uh, Is there a way out, though? I always want to believe that almost everything can be solved or resolved. If you're willing to study the subject and apply solutions, even if it means finding an expert with more knowledge than you to help, most things can be resolved because solutions are the flip side of problems. They exist as a part of each other. Seeing things this way is one of the good aspects of my Virgo energy, combined with a bit of my sun and Sagittarius optimism. My mission was to find a way to solve the habit of worry itself. I decided I would find a way to spend the second half of my life free of obsessive worry. Aside from the discomfort that we often feel emotionally, physically, and mentally from worry, it is also extremely negative in that it can act like a form of prayer. We become consumed with thinking and focusing on what we're afraid might happen or about what is happening and whether it will become even worse. This focus of energy can feed the manifestation probability and may end up contributing to creating the very thing we so desperately want to avoid. This is another reason why finding a way to eliminate the worry habit was a worthwhile undertaking. During my studies of this subject, I learned a few interesting things about the process, and I was able to find real solutions to what worrying is and does to us. The new way of looking at how we typically respond to worrying the solutions I discovered can really assist in removing or at least minimizing this issue for anyone willing to make that shift. One thing to remember when we find ourselves worrying is that most of the things we worry about actually never happen. If you could list all of the concerns, fears, and things you worried might happen over your entire lifetime so far, you would probably see that about 95% of the potential problems never turned out the way we feared they would. And the few that did materialize often had solutions that we couldn't see at first when they uh, first presented themselves. Example, my air conditioning unit went out in the late summer about seven years ago. And so this was truly an Arizona nightmare. When I had it checked out, I was quoted with a potential bill of $7,500 to solve it. I worried a lot when that happened. But when I calmed down, I decided to call another company for a second opinion. The second company told me that I could replace the unit on the roof and leave the interior, interiors, that also needed work for about another five or ten years. I still had to come up with $1,900 to get it running again, but it is still working really well, and now with awesome, powerful, and reasonably inexpensive portable room-to-room units, I'm actually not even sure if I will replace the interior system. 
when we worry, we block information solutions from coming to us. Another important thing to remember when the worry habit grips us is that what if the bad thing that is or could happen is actually going to turn out to be a beneficial thing? Many people fear things like that their spouse might cheat on them, they could get divorced or simply end up being alone. Yet, more often than not, when we let go of a mate that doesn't fit with us, we find being single can be wonderful also. Often people struggle with losing a mate and the details of its end, only to come to a different perspective about it. Often they end up finding someone who is so much more amazing, uh, a much more amazing match for them. And how could they have ever come to the new place of happiness unless they had the circumstances that made them leave the previous situation? We may fear losing our job, yet that may be the very catalyst that opens our door to a new career or job that we really love. We may fear losing our home or being forced to move, only to find that we like the new home far better, and maybe our future next mate or best friend is actually living right next door. We often get caught up in trying to obsessively control events. There are times when this can be necessary and valuable. Our ego has a purpose and it can be useful. Life is about making choices and taking appropriate action. Passive can create problems too. Still, if we let go and trust that the path we're on or the seeming obstacle course that have surfaced may be part of the solution, we are on the right track to being at peace. The universe is not stupid or against us. Believe it or not, our higher selves are extremely wise. Events that seem to be problems are often medicine or blessings in disguise. Worry can bring up fear about being worthy of receiving assistance. We are not cast, uh, we're not castaways, left behind in this world without help or support. We have friends, family, and other people who can support, guide, and assist us if we're open to asking for help when we experience problems. We also have unseen helpers, spirit guides, angels, nature, and other, as well as other forces that look out for us and help us. We can open to more of this assistance if we're willing to ask and be open to the answers that come to us after we ask. They take practice to eliminate the worry habit, yet it is something we can all do. If we're willing to trust that everything we experience, even seemingly very negative things, happen for a reason, then we can realize we can always learn from difficulty because it will inevitably make us smarter and stronger. We can become more knowledgeable and wiser from those experiences. The best part is that through experience, we can develop in ourselves an aversion to any conduct that can bring stress into our lives, inevitably having far less of it in our future. Often we'll be able to assist and help others precisely because of what we've learned. When we release the worry habit, we can become more tuned into the reality that every problem does have a solution. If we're willing to drop this unproductive habit and learn to trust and relax, we can tune into the awareness that the solution is always on its way. Okay, so uh, that was the column. Again, this actually ran back in late 2013, and if you caught my original, you know, mailer, I, I, there's always sort of notes that I do after each column, of course. And uh, it is mind-boggling to me that this is already five years ago because it just doesn't seem that far away from when I originally wrote this. But uh, uh, it, it was uh, five years ago. 
that I originally uh, wrote this. So, uh, again, I, I find that interesting. Um, I want to read one other thing before I kind of comment a little more on this subject. When I send out my, my monthly column, I have been doing for about, maybe for about four years now, I've been uh, adding a little kind of clip or piece of channeled material. Now, this channeled material is specifically channeled from me. Um, in the, the late 80s through the, uh, much of the 90s, I was really avidly studying uh, channeled material. Uh, Jane Roberts, Michael Teachings, uh, even initially some stuff with Ramtha. I mean, I really was a, uh, a channeling junkie, so to speak, uh, during that time and really read a lot. And uh, amazing. Just really, I, have, I still have a magazine that I got in the 90s called Spirit Speaks, a number of them. That was a bunch of sort of current famous channels, and they would channel on a specific subject. And amazing. Like I said, I've just had been very blessed in having access to some really uh, fantastic material and information. So what I started doing about four or five years ago is putting some of those little clips into my column as an ad that I, I kind of call the channeled corner. Again, this is not stuff that specifically is things that I channeled, but it is famous uh, channelers uh, and, and their point of view on, on different subjects and things like that. So, of course, it's, it's, uh, it's valuable. Uh, so I kind of want to read what I put in by May newsletter. It's a short piece, but it, it kind of tangents pretty well with uh, the piece that I wrote and I also read. So this particular channel piece is from Spirit Speaks Magazine and was channeled by Seth, uh, who uh, was originally channeled by Jane Roberts, by the way. But when Jane Roberts passed, uh, there were other people that were channeling Seth as well, and, and some of it was, was almost uh, as good as the original channeling. Uh, and this is one of those pieces. So this is the piece. He says, uh, fear is the opposite of love. Fear is based upon not knowing, preparing for the unknown, for what might happen, for that which is not actually present in the moment. Fear is based totally upon future projection, which comes from evaluating the past not only of your own lives, but of others, and drawing deductions about what might happen to you in the future. Uh, this is what your insurance companies do. They project at what age you're likely to get sick, be disabled, or die. How many of you are likely to do that, and in what way? Read enough statistics, and you will necessarily start making yourself believe that this must be the way it is. And in this way, society, group, mind, and industry dictate the nature of your beliefs. Metaphysically, fear is the opposite of love. The opposite of love based upon the absence of knowledge because you can love and be comfortable with that which you know. It is always the unknown that you fear the most. So uh, just a quick little kind of uh, piece, and again, another sort of benefit to, to getting the, the monthly column is uh, some of these are, are much longer and go into quite a bit of detail, but uh, again, just one of my sort of bizarre studies that I studied a lot, and I've got some really great, you know, channel books. I, you know, I've got all those. I've got just a ton of books. Anyone who's ever been in my office has seen this. Um, you know, I've got quite a lot of books. And uh, you know, if you take those books out, I have that proverbial folded page in, in many of the better books on things I wanted to 
to, to acknowledge. You know, they sort of had an issue with, like, marking it up, though. I know people with underliners do that, and God bless you. But um, for me, I don't know about underlining. I like page folding, uh, just the corner of the page. Uh, it's again, one of the reasons I guess I never really took as much to the, like, iBooks and things like that. I sort of like the smell of paper and, and the folding potential. But, yeah, I, I, all these different channel books and things that I read, you know, again, a lot of folded pages, and I'm going to get to that. And but that's what I ended up doing with the column uh, ultimately is adding a lot of these channel pieces that I found. So uh, I got a ton of them. So I got a number of years ahead of likely writing this column and including the channel corner in it as well. Okay. That being said, let's go back to this whole worry thing that this whole piece was about. And uh, as I mentioned in the piece, yeah, something, you know, uh, anyone who's Virgo, or as I said in the piece, anyone who's Virgo rising, Virgo moon, uh, Virgo sun sign, um, you're going to see more of this than, than even the average person. Um, and, uh, again, I also read something about left-handed people being, you know, prone to that as well, too, to some degree. Uh, again, no surprise to me as someone who's left-handed. Um so when you look at Virgo, now, just by the way, from an astrology perspective, everybody is Virgo in their chart somewhere. Even if you don't have, pl- if you don't have planets in Virgo, Virgo is somewhere in your chart. So it is an incorrect belief that uh, if you don't have any Virgo, you have no Virgo tendencies. Now, you will. It's just not as pronounced as if, you know, if you've got five planets in Aquarius and only one or no planets in Virgo, you're going to come across much more Aquarian in tone than Virgoian. But uh, again, it's not uh, not there. That house placement, the house of life, fourth house family, fifth house romance, risk-taking, sixth house work, so wherever Virgo is on the cusp of a house or that it contains a house, will end up being where you, you're inclined to do the positive and negative aspects of Virgo. But again, more notable anyway if you have a lot of Virgo natally in the chart. So analyzing it from this angle, positive polar Virgo as I analyze, I study. And, and the Virgo part of us is wired to solve problems, fix things, repair things, to perceive life as if the problem is if there's a problem, you fix it. Uh, you know, Virgos often show that notable characteristic uh, of pragmatism about, you know, if you've got a problem, you work on it, you repair it, you research, you study, you learn. Now, again, that very positive attribute can make one inclined to uh, become quite good at the things that you study because of that meticulous Virgoian disposition of, of being anal. And I say that in a good way, you know, of being very particular and fussy about learning and, and acquiring uh, info. So that's a positive polo Virgo. Now, the word negative polo Virgo is I worry or I overanalyze. And, of course, that is sort of the catch-22 built into the structure. Uh, Virgos are, are often inclined to have some elements of excessive worry. It would make sense if you even break it apart. If you're inclined to want to fix something and are having trouble doing that, the natural inclination can be to worry about that problem you know, becoming worse or happening again or you know, all these other dynamics because some of your wiring is focused on solving things. So the worry habit is, can easily creep into the game. Uh, so, again, you're not crazy if, if you have that element of disposition that's often noted in the astrology chart uh, and, and people for different reasons. You know, another element of this could be a lot of six-house placement in astrology as well that can bring some of this into play. So, again, 
the good side of it is, you know, you tend to learn, you tend to study, you tend to figure out. Uh, you know, uh, let me give you a great example of this. I used one in the piece, and I'll give you another one. You know, uh, back in, in 2009, I bought a, um, a, a used Prius. Uh, I had wanted to buy, get a hybrid car at the time. I had a car accident. My car was totaled. I had to get a check from the insurance company, blah, blah, blah. It was time to get another car. And lo and behold, there was a used 2001 Prius, the original model on the lot, and I was excited to get it. And I enjoyed that car for the first about a year and a half, two years, a lot. And then when I was approaching 90, 100,000 miles on that car, uh, I bought it at like 90 anyway. So it was actually probably about 110, 120 that I started panicking. When I learned that replacing a Prius battery was between 25 and $3,000, 2500 and $3,000. Now, at the time, financially, I sure as hell didn't have an extra three grand. So you know, here I am at 110, 115, 120,000 miles and being like, you know, that's usually around the time the battery could potentially go. You know, I did some research. Some of them last for 200, 250,000 miles. Some of them went, went at 90 or 100. I mean, you know, luck of the draw. And uh, I started panicking. What if this car uh, battery dies? What am I going to do? So, interesting. You know, uh, over a span of time, what ended up happening about a year or so later is, one, my secondary battery went. Now, that's not the primary battery. It's sort of a secondary battery, and and that actually went. And when I went to my car guy to check it out, they wanted $1,900 to fix that secondary battery. Again, mind you, this isn't even the primary hybrid battery. It's a secondary piece of use for other mechanisms in the back. And again, I didn't have two grand. So um, just kind of got a little panicked, and and then uh, and then I just a friend of mine had suggested going to her mechanic and getting a second opinion on it, and uh, that is what I did. And um, that mechanic told me he could do the job for about 500. Uh, he hunted around to find a used part and various other things, and he ended up doing the job for $340, $1,900 to $340 uh, for good Burgoyan part. I hunted around. I looked at other alternatives. I didn't get stuck. I had to go that way, and uh, he fixed it, and I've actually used that mechanic ever since. I totally trust him, and he's awesome. It's a guy in Tempe, uh, <laughs> Arizona, and uh, I don't even live that close to it anymore, and I still go over there to use him. And the funny part of the story is all that panic about my primary battery going is, one, you know, new stores built up, like there's a place in Phoenix called Hybrid Revolt. And, you know, they don't always necessarily replace the entire battery. Now, they sometimes just replace some of the cells of a battery when it goes. So now, you know, you can actually replace a hybrid for even as low as uh, $1,500. I've even seen people have done it for $750, $750. Again, you know, people say, well, that's still a lot. But listen, you, anyone who has a regular car knows every two, three years your battery is going to go, especially if you live in Arizona where it's 1,000 degrees in the summer. So, you know, if you have to replace the battery every 100,000 miles, then it costs you $750 or $1,000. That's just not as insane as it would sound, especially because of the money you save on gas. I mean, I, I use that Prius round trip to drive from Phoenix to Vegas, which is, I don't think it was the amount of miles on that, but um, it's about a four-and-a-half, five-hour drive. Uh, with my Prius, I mean, I would spend maybe $40, $45 round trip on the drive. So long story short, 
I just finally, in 2018, decided to trade in my 2001, and I got a newer model of 2010 just literally a week and a half ago. I never even had to replace the original battery. The car was, when I traded in, it was 193,000 miles. So here I am, you know, all this time going through different aspects of worrying about what if this happens and, oh, my God, but then, again, researching, learning that there's cheaper ways to go. It never even happened anyway. I ended up trading the car in. In fact, when I, you know, I went through a lot of credit stuff back in 2009, 10, 11, during that horrible economic nonsense that was going on. And I spent five, six years without having any credit at all for a lot of different reasons. And that was terrifying, to go through a period of my life without credit. Now, nine years later, not only do I have credit again, but my credit is excellent, like bizarrely good at this point. Again, again I had worry and concern about whether I could buy without credit, whether I can handle it, what if something happened, and all this other stuff. So... You know, using those personal stories to illustrate a lot of wasted energy on worry. And, and one, <laughs> again, studying, analyzing, learning, gathering information, figuring things out, that's going to be an often the solution, especially when you're focused on making it the solution. But the other part of it is, what does the worrying do anyway? In other words, you know, it's not like worry is going to help the situation in any capacity, purely from a practical angle. It just makes you struggle and suffer. I mean, yeah, I have concern about solving something, but worrying about it, it is kind of a wasted energy. The other thing is from a metaphysical, spiritual angle, when you worry, it is to some degree a form of prayer, which is focused intent and concentration, um, it's kind of like a negative form of prayer in that respect. That, you know, the more you worry, the more you may actually kind of end up creating the very thing that you fear. Uh, thankfully, that is not always true. Uh, everything we worry about, again, doesn't necessarily happen. Every thought that we think doesn't manifest into something. That, it, that would be what a humorist would call an example of New Age nonsense. You know, every, every thought that we think doesn't turn into something specifically. Yet you have to think it a lot for it to become something uh, in that respect, both good and for bad. But, yes, uh, prolonged, obsessive, compulsive worry uh, does create, uh, does end up affecting or creating more problems to encounter. You know, one of the things that I, that I have often talked about on different radio shows, certainly may have caught some of this in my columns, um, anyone who's ever worked with me in, in my regular client program, uh, which is a program that I do where people come in for quarterly uh, sessions or monthly sessions, um, no more than monthly, so I don't do weeklies or anything like that, but I have people that are monthly or quarterly every three months. Uh, you can get information on that on my website, by the way, uh, whether local or by phone. Um, People who are smart enough, I might interject that arrogantly, to sign up for that program and work with me, will often end up working on, on something I call chief negative feature, which is looking at uh, most of us have two of seven primary fears that we tend to be focused on that actually often originate in us during our childhoods, often in our teen years uh, uh, to late teens to early 20s is when they lock. And people typically tend to have one primary chief negative feature or fear and one secondary. So 
you know, a great example of it is in the seven of them. Uh, uh, there's an impatience, which is a fear of being victimized by time. There's martyrdom, which is a fear of being victimized, period. Uh, self-deprecation, which is a fear of uh, inadequacy. Arrogance, which is a fear of vulnerability. Uh, self-destruction, which is a fear of lack of control. Uh, greed, which is a fear of lack. And stubbornness, which is a fear of change. Uh, and they all have, you know, development things that you can look at where they came from. They all have positive and negative poles, although they're mostly, both, mostly crappy. But, you know, what I often find when I work with people who are martyrs, as an example, is martyrdom is based on the fear that you're going to be victimized. And without getting into a tremendous amount of detail on this at the moment, you know, again, about one out of seven people approximately are going to be martyrs in, in focus and tone. You know, positive pole of martyrdom is selflessness, and its negative is fortification, you know, being taken advantage of. Problem is, when you fear that others are going to take advantage of you, again, there is a certain degree of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy because it's sort of a signal that we send out, and, and people ultimately will read that, and martyrs can often tell you quite accurately that they've been abused more in some capacity than others. Now, initially, a lot of those abuses do occur during childhood when you're absolutely at no fault at any level and certainly not consciously creating them. There's other factors that come into play with that. But often later on as an adult, you know, if you're taken advantage of by someone, you have to take some element of risk. Let me give you an example of this. Like, for instance, you know, if you watch a show like Jerry Springer or Maury or Hobbit or one of these silly shows, which can actually be entertaining, uh, simply because they're ridiculous. Yeah, you'll, you'll often see that that you know that woman or man who is you know she's arguing with her. I'll use a woman as an example because it's more often a woman, but definitely men sometimes fill that role equally. Uh, you'll see that woman you know freaking out on stage because her sister slept with her husband, and you know and and you know I always jokingly say one when when your sister sleeps with your husband, I think it's game over. I, I don't even know how you're going forward from there, uh, period. But that being said, you know, and, 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 the, and, the, and the woman is yelling at her husband on the stage, I can't believe you did this to me. I gave up my family. I gave up my friends. I gave up my college plans to be with you. You know, uh, and, you know you're my everything. How could you do this to me? Well, one, he's clearly an ass that he did it. No one's going to argue that. That's a terrible thing to do. But at another level, why would you give up your friends and your family and your career and everything that you have for another person? Um, what other person would let you do that, by the way, and not know that that was not going to be a good thing? And two, what in you would give all those things up? Well, listen, for, for all of us, we've, we've done, certainly God knows I did my stupid stuff in the 20s, and I did plenty of it. If you read my book, Dirty Little Secrets, that I wrote in my early 30s, a lot of it was about my 20s and my early 30s and some of the dumb relationship stuff that I did. You know, at 53, I'm way more aware of, of balance and harmony in relationships and not letting someone take advantage of me, you know, and, and seeing that more clearly. But, yes, if you, you know, if you fear being victimized, you often will, you know, magnetically bring experiences to you where you'll be victimized to prove your rightness so to speak. You know, it's not what you consciously want, but again, it's fear. So this is another great example of, 
you know, the wasted energy that can go into um, into into worrying and and having all this fear. You can create the very thing that you're uh, you're, you're worried about. Again, we're not talking about walking through life oblivious and not ever worrying about anything. We're human beings. We're going to have fear. We're going to have worry. The key is catching yourself and realizing that, you know, more often than not, when you're faced with some type of challenge, you know, a lot of times when people come to me and, and for, for personal sessions, uh, because I, listen, I read cards and rune, we pull runestones and do all those things, but listen, most people come to me for counseling, for talking working through things and my perspective on things. Uh, I'm not a traditional psychologist by any means, but I've worked with thousands of people over the years, and I've acquired quite a bit of insight. And, you know, more often than not, when people leave my office or after a phone session, they tend to sort of have clarity on something some part of them already knew, that I'm just often a little more clear about being able to guide someone to something that their own instinct was telling them. And, and that's good to know. That means you're not as crazy as you think. You know, a lot of times what your solution is the very, uh, you know, even if, if it might scare you uh, to do it, that solution that's in the back of your mind actually turns out to be a good thing. You know, uh, uh, last week when I, when I went and bought my new car or my newer car, um, I had a little bit of, uh, anxiety. I hadn't checked my credit score. I had been working on fixing my credit score for the last two years. I got a prepaid credit card, uh, and then that eventually, after six months, led to that being a regular credit card. And then I got, I began really good credit offers for like zero percent interest transfers for, for, uh, for, uh, for uh, like 15 months. I mean, so it's definitely I knew it was getting better. So when I went and bought the car. I, you know, I had two very slow weeks of business. I wasn't making a lot of money around the two-week period I was taking the car in. And I had that concern, like, I knew I was supposed to trade the car in. But another part of me was like, am I, like, you know, how am I going to go there when I don't have any money to put down on a car? What if my credit is not good enough? All those thoughts and worries came into my mind. Now, the good news is I didn't overly entertain them. I heard them and I thought about them and a part of me was like, you know what, I'm still going to do this just because I'm having a slow week or two. You know, if I have to put, you know, $500 down payment on the car, uh, on a, the credit card, I have a 0% interest thing, I can pull it off, I know I'll be busy again, I'll do some marketing, blah, blah, blah. If I didn't get totally caught up in the worry about it, I had to have some concern. So the funny thing is when I went and bought the car, um, you know, it turned out my credit was far better than I even thought it was. And I didn't have to put any money down. I traded my car in. I got 800 for that. And that was the down payment on the car. And the, and the, and the, and the monthly uh, car payment is actually pretty reasonable. And I'm happy that I bought that car. And my credit was staggeringly good. They were like, you don't have to put anything down. So I had in my mind that I had to come up with this extra money and I was having two slow weeks. Where was I going to get the money from? I shouldn't spend money that I don't have. All this stuff was running through my head. Yet I kind of knew how to buy a car. And I, and I did it anyway. And, of course, it worked out beautifully. And that's what I mean. You know, I'm often explaining that to people, that you do have a knowingness on things. A lot of times your own higher self, your spirit guides, they're kind of nudging you, but it's that fear that comes up is what if this is a mistake? What if it's a wrong move? Who am I to, you know, to do this? You know, when I, when I drove that very nice newer car home, I actually felt that little bit of sense that the car was too nice for me. 
And that just brought up all this stuff about how I was raised and you're not to be extravagant and, you know what I mean? There's no reason to have a really, really nice new car. And you know, all sort of stuff that was sort of fed into my psyche. And it made me realize this. I, I thought I'd done a lot of work on getting comfortable with receiving, but maybe there was still a little bit of work to do in that area. So that was very insightful as well. But I love the car. It's, you know, it's one of those keyless cars. And uh, the last car I had, I spent two years in Arizona in the summers without air conditioning. <laughs> you don't have air conditioning again. So it's just like, you know, I was really almost depriving myself in a way. So, uh, again, just use that as an example of, of just sort of wasted worry. But that's the thing. You know, when when people work with me, you know, aside from the, just the benefits of the conversation and giving insights or storytelling and other perceptions, you know, things like rune stones and animal totems and angel cards and, and tarot cards and astrology, listen, I do them for a reason, not because they're theatrical entertainment. I do them because they work. They're valuable, brilliant forms of oracle knowledge and information that, you know, combined with what I know and my ability to communicate and explain things to people are really can affect us in a very positive way. So, you know, I, you know, I was pulling runes you know, a week or two before you know, I bought the new car. Um, you know, I just wrote a column for for June also, and it's funny because I mentioned in the column that, like, I was cleaning out my old car in preparation for, you know, trading the car in, and I I was feeling more like, rather than be excited about a new car, I was feeling sad that I was trading my car in and I was letting her go. You know, I mentioned this in my, my piece, and I'll end up talking about it next month in more detail, but, like, weird old soul characteristic of, like, seeing consciousness in everything. And so, like, that, my car, my last car was my buddy. You know, I, I, I had her for, you know, for nine years, and uh, she's, she was a good car. And uh, the people at the, at the car place were, you know, they could tell that I had a little concern about that. And they were like, hey, man, we're going to make sure she gets a good home when I trade in the car. And someone will want this car. We're going to fix it up, and we're going to, you know what I mean, we'll sell it. So it's a collector's item. It's the original Prius. And I felt a little better. You know, I had a client... Uh, uh, recently that was she had a, she trouble, she was trying to sell her her home uh, her family home, her family had passed but she was still living in the home a you know, woman in her in her late 50s, early 60s and going through a lot of trauma about letting go of the home and she was having a tough time selling the home uh, getting the right buyer getting low-balled and bidding and, and a lot of issues that had come up picking the wrong realtors and oh my god she went through so much stuff in like a year and a half of trying to sell the home and I knew other people that would put their home in the market and it would be like sold in two weeks. She had almost a year and a half of back and forth about this issue. But she did finally sell it and got the right buyer and all of that stuff. But one of the things I had said to her is, you know, a lot of she had a lot of emotion invested in that home. She wasn't letting it go so easily. She wanted to make sure it went to the right person, she you know, the right family. She had a lot of concern about that. It made sense that her process was a little bit more difficult. But, you know, the worst part is she spent a lot of time worrying about whether the home would sell. And, you know, again, to a casual observer, it was a beautiful home in in central Scottsdale, uh, and uh, it was well taken care of, and there was no reason it shouldn't have sold, uh, you know, fairly easily. But I think energetically she went for a little period of, of jamming it up from worry and fear. That's the point that I'm trying to get at, guys. You know, it takes a little bit of effort to 
get away from the worry habit. And you're not going to, very few people are going to completely conquer it. But you can get away from it. And the way you get away from it, again, is by one, realizing most of the things you worry about never happen. Uh, Many things you worry about that do happen end up turning about being beneficial. And if you do worry about something and something bad does happen, listen, you can handle it. You know, uh, I think that's that thing. We're just so afraid it's going to be so devastating we won't survive it. And, uh, you know, more often than not, that's really not the case. And I've always joked about this to my clients, and I'll I'll lose this as a final point for today's show. When you get older, you do realize something. The thing about going through difficult stuff is you're going to go either one way or another with it, and you go through tough stuff, you know, really difficult experiences. I have a buddy, Jim, that's going through a painful divorce, and his wife is being brutal financially with him in the process. So here's the thing. You either go the worry route, and you're going to get paranoid and fearful that this is what's going to happen again, and this is going to turn out really bad, and what if you end up alone, and what if, you know, what if she bankrupts you, what, blah, 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 blah. You can get that. You can go that road. Or you can go through difficulty and go the road that I typically tend to do. Uh, I didn't get this right away, by the way. <laughs> it took me a number of years before I got the hang of it, and quite a bit of crapola along the way to get to that point. And bad things could do two things for you. One, they can make you learn how to not have bad things happen because your hindsight eventually sees, and then you develop foresight, the ability to see what's coming your way, solve it before it becomes a problem. That's one good thing. The other thing is what I just humorously call, humorously call badass syndrome. You go through something difficult, you go through something tough, and you just reach a point where you're not that, you're not that upset by difficult things anymore. Any any solid 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 6-year-old, 7-year-old knows this at this point when you're listening to a 19-year-old complaining about something. You know, there's a part of you that's like, oh, God, dude, you have no idea what kind of crap you're going to deal with in the future. This is nothing. So what that your roommate doesn't replace the milk? Who cares? This doesn't mean anything. So what? that so-and-so made you feel bad about yourself. All right, who cares? So we can get a little, you know, a little more cynical and detached, <laughs> but the good side of it is that sort of badass them is like, you know, again, that's how I am. I mean, I can genuinely say there's very little that I'm afraid of, period, at this point in the game. Uh, I've been through enough stuff that I kind of am a bit on the fearless side, and uh, it's nice much easier when you don't have a lot of fear. So what we worry, you know, think about some of those these things we talked about. See if you can minimize the amount of worry that you do and and, uh, and get away from this habit, and your life is going to get more peaceful, and it's going to get easier. Okay. Looks like we're done with our time here. Uh, if you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, uh, email me at mentorsage at yahoo.com to be added to the mailing list. Uh, do mention your birthday when you do that. I want to put you on the mailing list because I do a birthday promotion once a year for a very discounted reading uh, during a birthday time. Uh, but uh, if you're interested in doing that, again, mentorsage at yahoo.com. Uh, you catch any of my old radio shows. They're off, a lot of them are archived. Um, the other thing is, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're a TV watcher, I do a show once or twice a month on ABC called The List TV. Uh, you can catch that online. Look at some of my past episodes on astrology. I've been doing that quite a bit lately also. And if you're interested in personal sessions, go to jimventura.com, check out that info, 
generally don't do same-day requests, but usually I can get with the person in a day or two uh, in terms of requests, so that usually isn't tough to do. But go to Ventura, jimventura.com. And also uh, you can connect to any of my books through Amazon or directly through me. Okay, guys, thanks for joining me today. Uh, that prompted me to get off the air. Like, I'm trying to talk, and, and they're on, on, on phone, and they're, like, she's telling me, 10 seconds to go, 20 seconds to go. <laughs> it's very funny. I know what I do, but it's a little bit of a pain in the ass. So, uh, anyway, thanks for joining me today. Wishing everybody a happy May, and we'll be back here again next month with a brand-new column, brand-new read, and uh, cheers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.